When the audience is growing on your podcast every single week, you realize that that means that there are more of you joining every single week, which is so exciting for the One Together podcast because it's still such early days and it means that you're loving each guest that's coming through and they're all being selected specifically so that you feel like you're less alone in whatever you're going through. So that means you're really liking it. And on top of that, we're getting so many amazing comments and questions and emails and you guys just rule. You're so creative and thinking outside the square and it's just unreal to see all of that correspondence coming through to us here at the One Together podcast. And I just said correspondence and that made me sound like a news anchor. So (laughs) I'm going to cut that out wherever it started from. So look, if you are one of our little newbies joining us this week, g'day. Welcome. I'm your host, Heather Maltman, and each week we bring you an awesome guest, whether they're a celebrity or an everyday person, just like you and me, who has been through something in their life, whether it's positive or negative, and we just share our stories in the hopes of creating more connection or even the possibility of you realizing that you are not alone in whatever you're going through. Everyone has their thing. It's about how you face that thing and come out the other side. So why don't you grab some carpet or a hot chockey and a wine, maybe the sneakers and a pair of headphones, and let's get into this week's guest. Lover of coffee, cats, her step family, her own two children, by the way, helps her son with his ASD, a husband with a successful 40 career that travels a lot for work, including going away to Ireland for Survivor Australia, has run the Challenge Roth Triathlon, was a model for Jeans West, a TV host with Jabber's Morning Glory, radio host many times over, can sing, helped create the series Maxing Out, has raised over $2 million for early intervention for kids with ASD, a father who is a barrister and a nervous impersonator, a proud wag, hashtag Ken ride a bike with the rundies on the outside and she made time for us can you believe that this is all one woman no she's not dead either because she's actually quite young her name is chloe rogers who i will forever know as chloe maxwell just like you a woman who started working in entertainment back when hr was not even a thing and models were considered just silly pretty women She has broken every mould and refused to give up. She is a game changer for us young ladies and always knew she wanted more. By George, I'm I'm pretty sure she got it. When we sat down to talk, right, I wasn't sure of what the bloody hell I was doing. I didn't know where my relationship was going to go. I was struggling to make that work at the time. I didn't know what I was doing in my career. I was just kind of flitting around and hoping for the best. I don't know, I just kind of felt like I was failing. So everything I wanted to know from Chloe was like, basically, how do you fit so much into one life? And I can tell you right now, she is the reason why Matt and I are back together. My Matt, not her Matt, different Matt, not Rogers, Baker, different one. Never mind. Enjoy. The following podcast contains a moderate use of coarse language and a discussion around the autism spectrum disorder. If you require further information or have concerns about a loved one, you can contact Autism Spectrum Australia on 1800 277 328 or number 4ASD Kids on their email, info at 4ASDKids.com. 
Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Up. Oh gosh, I've been all over. I can't even remember where I am anymore. So I just finished doing recordings with people down in Melbourne, and then I flew straight from Melbourne back up to the Gold Coast, and then I fly back to Sydney on the weekend. On the weekend. Mm. And then I think I've got a trip potentially to Adelaide coming up, and then potentially to Cairns coming up. Wow. Yeah. Is this all for the podcast? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I'm so oh, good. Getting to talk to so many different people and like. What? See different areas. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I love Adelaide. Have you been to Adelaide before? I have. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I love. Um, I love the main streets and things like that. I think they're absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna quickly have some coffee. Get it into you. That is good. <laughs> I'm glad. That is... I, that's my third one. So is God it? knows what's gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get I you while you're high on caffeine. An hour. Yeah, I'm high uh, on caffeine. I've, that's my disclaimer that's so before good. we start. That's so good. <laughs> So I'm crazy excited to sit down with you today, Chloe, because I mean, for so many reasons, I mean, every time you've come into our station and talked about what you do with ASD kids and, um, your wonderful relationship with Maddie Rogers, which I love hearing about you guys are hilarious. Uh, your children, what you do for work, your career, your, I feel like you're one of those women that's always doing something. And every time I look on your social media, you're always doing something. And from day one, like my introduction to you was on um uh the saturday program the saturday morning kids program yes um was it called saturday disney uh, no no i think it w on channel v was it yeah 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 that on the one. music channel yeah. yeah okay so when i was a kid we didn't have much money and um every now and again when i went to my friend's place i was able to watch channel v with her like it was the only you know adult channel we were allowed to watch and i remember watching you on there and i was like I'm going to do that. <laughs> really? Whatever that is, I want to do that because it just, you had so much fun. Like you just seemed like you were having so much fun. And I always wanted to ask you, were you having as much fun as it looked like for us watching you on, on that show? I definitely was having <laughs> a lot okay. of fun on that show. Yeah. And it's funny the story, how that came to be actually, because I, I sort of, I started my career as a model, but then I, I did yeah. this jeans ad. I was the Jeans West girl. I remember. And from there, I managed to sort of use that as a springboard to get into television. Mm. And uh, actually, at the time, I was singing, believe it or not. Oh, really? And I've done some music with an Australian artist called Endorphin. I don't know if you know him, but I had been asked to go on Channel V to be interviewed about that by Jabba. Do you remember Jabba? I remember yeah. Jabba. Yeah. So I uh, went on there, got interviewed... Somehow they managed to talk me into putting underwear on over the top of my jeans and riding around on, on a kid's pedal bike. I remember and that one. after that I was like, I think you should give me a job. And they said, we think you should have a job here too. And mm. the rest was history. So I got to do a lot of live television and fun stuff on Saturday mornings uh, with Jabba. It was Jabba's Morning Glory. I think that's the one you're thinking that's of. That's it, Jabba's Morning Glory. Yeah. That is so where I saw you. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. And I loved it. I thought you were fantastic. And you were one of the first women that I'd experienced as a host of some description on TV. Because wow. back then there weren't many women that were hosting. It was usually men and it was like really blokey blokes like Jabba. It wasn't yep. really like these feminine. And Andrew G, otherwise known as Osha. That's oh, when I met yeah. him. And I did a lot of stuff with him as well. Did and you? he helped me. Uh, a lot with my television and presenting and funnily enough you ended up getting a few roses off him on on the bachelor i, I believe so. oh he led me on though didn't he, <laughs> he did. that bastard he did, yeah it, look it was a lot of fun and i think back then as well look channel v was 
sort of, well, pay TV was a new thing Mm. and we really didn't know if people were actually watching. So I think we got away with a lot more than what people on commercial or hosts on commercial TV would. So we we tended to have a lot of creative licence and actually it was a breeding ground for a lot of good uh, talent coming out of Channel V and onto commercial television like Osha, like James Matheson, like Yumi, who's a bit controversial at the moment, but mm. uh, and but we all learnt on the go. Like it was like guerrilla tactics. We had to produce and uh, do all of our own stuff, and and a lot of it was you know three four hours of live television on a Saturday morning that we just had yeah. to get through. So. It was definitely great training as well as great fun. And it also would have been in the day before codes was a thing. Yeah. Like before they sat you down and went, okay, guys, yeah. here's all the things that you can and cannot say. Uh, don't say this, do say that. So it's like I imagine that would have been a really scary. I don't even think we had HR back then. <laughs> there was none of that. There was none of HR that. HR was literally, please don't touch me there. <laughs> yeah, that's that right. was it. <laughs> that's right. And uh, even that was a bit loose. So yeah, true. Uh, look, no, we had definitely had a lot of good times on Channel V and I'll, I'll never forget those days. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought up the Jeans West thing because, um, uh, so I grew up in Eagle Bay in like housing commission, which, you know, if you don't know Queensland, it's like, it's like the Bronx of New York. It's like the really rough area that you send the kids that have no money. So I grew up there and I remember you on the Jeans West ads and my sister was obsessed with you. She was two years older than me and she really wanted to be a model. And that was part of what got her started. Like she would wow. try to copy a lot of the Jeans West looks to get work. Anyway, I got out of school one day by saying that I wanted to be in a modeling competition with her because I just didn't want to go to school. And um, I ended up picking up a contract with Tamblin Models up in Brisbane. Wow. And I remember thinking, I'm going to do what Chloe did. <laughs> I'm going to be a model and then I'm going to be a host and then I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to make it that way. And I you was, have. Well, like... <laughs> Weirdly, kind of have, yeah, really That's strangely. Awesome. Yeah, it's weird how you've, you sort of start to realise that you make your own way in and that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you is like, did you plan the way your career had gone or did you just sort of fall into different things and then just decide, like, did you know what you wanted or how did you keep moving through your career the way you have? I guess I, knew, I did know that I wanted to be in entertainment Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with my whole family are in law. So my dad's a barrister, my stepfather's an SC barrister, my mother's Seriously. a legal secretary, my stepmother's legal secretary. So I knew I didn't want to do that. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, but oh, it just oh, looked what? like way too much work. And look, we, I love it, always loved entertaining, always mm. loved making people laugh. And I guess my dad is a bit that way too. He's actually an Elvis impersonator. He's got all the jeans, so capes and everything, and he just got back from Parks. He was performing live there, and as well as a barrister. But so he's a barrister Elvis impersonator. Yes, yes, Elvis impersonator in his spare time. So I think he always wanted to go down the entertainment route, but obviously, you know, had a law degree and was a barrister. He still gets to wear a wig just, every week. It's know? just made my day. <laughs> A barrister Elvis impersonator, like I'm going to marinate in that for the rest of the day. Like I'm just going to sit in that beautiful image. Wow, what a character. So does he, does he then use that kind of energy and his entertainment energy when he's in the courtroom? Yeah, I mean, I guess he, he does like performing and it is in a sense when you're a barrister, you mm. are actually performing in front of a judge and, and jury. And uh, it would be funny if he did get the two 
confused and start busting out Heartbreak Hotel or something. Oh, shut up. That would be great. That would be so life-changing. Good. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> What's that jail one? Isn't there Jailhouse a Rock. Yeah. That's a good one. Yes. Thanks. Oh, I should have thought of well, that. Well, you know, you work That's in radio right too long. Well, <laughs> yeah, you say that, but you haven't seen my, my bank account. It is not pretty. Um, speaking of, I really have to describe the room that we're in right now. Um, yes, the vault. We're in the vault. It really is a vault. Like you have the most incredible Maddie Rogers paraphernalia around the walls. There is like a liquor corner with like a beautiful crystal. What are they? Is that a decanter? A decanter. Yeah. (laughs) So stunning. I feel like I just want to. There's cigars. There's Cuban cigars in that box that next to there. I was just going to make a joke. I feel like air raiders. Air raiders. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That's what it is. But it makes me feel like I actually want to sit down and have a scotch and smoke a cigar in this room because of the delicious red leather couches and, yeah. you know, you've got the arms chair with the little, you know, leather poof and then the delicious <laughs> candles. Like it smells feminine in here, but there's a lot of masculinity. Like you've put feminine there's touches a, in some here. some small touches of me. You'll see yeah. that I do have a medal over there. <laughs> Is that from your marathon? From my, I did a, a, a long, long course triathlon is what you would call it. Okay. Which I did last year. So, yeah. That's, that was the one with Benny, right? Yeah, with Benny for Challenge yeah. Roth. So, yeah, 3.8K swim, 180K bike and full marathon at the end. And I got a medal. So it's in there amongst his, you know, Dally M's and various <sighs> other... I mean, they're not as important, let's face it. His wow. Australia caps and his Queensland State of Origin cap and... Whatever. All of that. Like, yeah, oh, whatever. Stop bragging. <laughs> no one even cares, Matt. Um, my favourite story of his is how he lost his finger, by the way, but we'll, um, we'll save yeah, that for another day. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a chat with him and he can um, explain should, how he lost the finger. Because it's, it's a good one. <laughs> so the triathlon, yeah, that was for maxing out, right? Yes. So we brought a guy on called Rob Bell onto our board for four ASD kids last year. And he's got, he's got quite an amazing background in digital and stuff like that. And his idea was to raise awareness of, uh, with our brand and, and just create more of a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Create more awareness, I guess, around 4ASD kids uh, and use a different platform to what we had in the past. So he came up with this idea to, to make a television show about uh, some individuals that were I guess had a profile, mm-hmm. uh, getting out of their comfort zones and facing some something they've never done before, which kind of was to mirror what it's like to, to get a diagnosis with autism and, and the beginnings of that, what that feels like, you know, how am I going to navigate my way through this? I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that really was the very much the same thing that we went through with these three personalities. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those emotions so and then we we decided to put it all together we all went to challenge Roth it was Ben Hannett and myself and uh, Ash Bradnam who's also a radio personality on Nova and we went over to Germany and competed in this race and and yeah it was screened on Channel 10 and and National Geographic is next and it's been on B in Sports 3 which it's it's been gone into multiple countries in uh, over in Europe, in China, in Asia, Asia Pacific, and wow, I've got all these strange followers now from different countries. <laughs> A lot of the Arab nations have it on um, really? television as well. So I've had all the uh, all these strange requests and messages from people saying they want to run a marathon in very 
you know, obscure places and they watch yeah. my show and I've inspired them to do that or Ben has inspired them. And, yeah, it's been pretty amazing how That's it's been incredible. received. And we're, we're already in pre-production for Series 2. So what? we've got two athletes already locked in and the third one we're working on. So okay. I can't give you too much information on no, that. No, that's all right. Yes. I understand. We'll keep it on the down low anyway. Keep it on the DL. Yeah, shut up, bitches. Don't tell anybody. Um, you know who you are. So I want to really ask you about that, um, the post that you put up on social media, I think it was about three weeks ago, uh, really, I don't know, it just sat with me for a really long time where you talk, it was, it was a repost from one that you'd done as you were gearing up to go do the challenge. Oh, was that when I was having a meltdown? Oh, man. <laughs> I did. It broke me. Oh, it broke me. Biggest. Well, the hardest thing, see, what a lot of people didn't know was Matt was on Survivor when I was training for this. Exactly. You were doing the so whole thing on your own. It was own. gone. And I couldn't tell anyone because it was still a secret at this stage that Matt was on the show because they do the big reveal, mm. obviously, when it's on air. And he was gone for eight weeks. I couldn't even speak to him on the phone. So I'm here doing single mum and training for a long course triathlon, like doing six, seven hours worth of training a day almost, some days. Had you pre-prepared for that possibility that you'd be doing it without him or no. it came up? And the funniest thing oh, was, no. uh, it's kind of funny, we actually, um, we filmed when he was in the show, you see me in the kitchen, uh, he's actually talking me into being a part of the project. And what you don't see, they cut out, was him saying, don't worry, I'll help you all with all the cooking and the cleaning and the kids and you'll have me, I'll be able to support you. Next minute he's gone, he's on a desert island. Oh. I can't even talk to him. The producer thought it was hilarious and he sent me that little grab. He's like, here's Matt proclaiming that he's going to help you. <laughs> he wow. Didn't. But look, it was such a great opportunity he couldn't pass up to go on Australian Survivor and he did such a fabulous job and raised more awareness for our charity through that as well. True. So That's it was true. worthwhile. But he literally got back uh, from the island on the Friday night. We had a big bike event on the Saturday, a ride that uh, Ben and Dan oh, both yeah, did. The, didn't you drive? You, we you rode, rode to, south. To Lennox. From, yeah, that's right. Yeah, from that's Rabina. Right. And so oh. I had to organise that. So he arrived and then, you know, five o'clock in the morning we're doing that ride and then two days later we're flying to Germany. So it was quite intense. <laughs> it was oh, very wow. intense. But, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, totally. Mm. But, yeah, so I had that meltdown. Sorry, I didn't really answer your question. No, no, so you were. That... You were. I was just going to actually <laughs> say, like, with with that moment, did that moment come from all that build-up then of, like, feeling like you've got a – you've got – these you've got your beautiful children that you're trying to put everything into and then you're also trying to get this challenge because you know the challenge isn't just for what you and your family have experienced but also Other for what families. Uh, yeah mm -hmm. and like trying to do it justice like wanting to do it justice and wanting to do all that like did you feel pressure around that is that what sort of oh, brought to breaking point or? I mean I th there were so many things like our all our ceilings fell in during one of the cyclones here so I literally what? had all of these ceilings which you see now I had to I had uh, carpenters come in they put these wooden bars up to try and keep the ceilings up but I had to wait we had to move out and that all of the ceilings had to be replaced and so that was one thing and then there was just so many things that kept going wrong in between me trying to do this thing. And 
I I'm sorry, was, but what the fuck? I know. I know. What I don't the know fuck? What the hell happened? It look, it's an old house, and it, we've done a bit of work to it, but it still needs a bit more work. And we hadn't done anything to it for gosh, ten years. So we've only just, you know, had the ceilings and painting. It's a stunning place and stuff. It's beautiful. Thank you. Look, it's a home. It's, it we is, love it. and it feels like a home <laughs> when you walk in. You can tell. You can feel that energy. You walk in and you go, oh, I can take my shoes off. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's relaxing. Yeah. So yeah, there were a lot of things that sort of were going on, and and I felt a lot of pressure. I think not only for training, but I was I was involved in a lot of the production process of the show itself as well. So just dealing with logistics Jeez. and yeah, and then running the charity and look. I probably just bit off more than what I could chew and I had a meltdown. Mm. And that video was actually a video I sent my coaches because I couldn't, that morning I was supposed to do something like an FTP test on my bike and I couldn't do it. And I was just over it. I was like, that's it. I quit. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I've had enough. Like the pressure just got to me. Yeah. Because also I'd seen my husband do so many of these races. He's done, gosh, like eight Ironman and... He loves it. He's the saddest. He's wow. the saddest in the family. So every time he's finished one of those, he's either been put on a drip or he's vomiting or like he's in a world of pain. Are you serious? hundred no, percent. He's had to go on a drip for most of the times he's finished a race. He's been that de- dehydrated. He's been vomiting. And so I knew what it took to, to, to get there. Well, to do it comfortably, I knew I had to do the training and the training was anywhere between 15 to 20 hours a week that I needed to be focused on either running, swimming or riding or running off the bike. So it was just a lot. It was a lot. And with him gone, I was like at some nights I would, um, I'd have to go for a two hour run and I, my daughter would have to cook dinner. I'm like, here you go. Just don't burn yourself (laughs) or anything. Here's that, you know, she'd make some spaghetti or, oh gosh, I don't know. She's amazing. She was such a big support for me. But yeah, it was just, it was difficult as well because I don't have any family here on the coast. So oh, really? I don't, yeah, no, all my family are down in Sydney. So oh, okay. I didn't really have anyone to help out, I suppose, in that right. respect with kids and whatnot. So I just had to do what I could do. And yeah, if it wasn't enough, I felt bad because I'm one of those people I have to, I take things very seriously, my, my motherhood very seriously, being a wife. And, um, you know, when I, involve myself in a challenge like that I take that very seriously as well especially knowing that it is not just for me it's for you know lots of families and and inspiration for families as well around Australia and the world. What do you do in those moments when you feel completely isolated from family? How do you get through those moments? Uh, What's your thing? Yeah that's a tough one that is a tough one I guess you know, what I would used to rely on was alcohol. <laughs> I drink wine. It is delicious. I was a big wine head. <laughs> uh, but I've actually quit alcohol as of um, this year, New Year's really? Eve. Was, that was my resolution. Well, for this year especially. I've I done a year without alcohol. Yeah, how'd it's you a, go? It's a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I'm going to warn you about is you get to the end of the year and it's very hard to start drinking again. You don't want to because you're so used well, to being clean. I don't know that clean. I will necessarily. Yeah. I don't know. You may end up with my situation. I'm intolerant to alcohol now. So if I drink it, I get these insane migraines as I'm drinking. Oh, okay. Because it's like my body is just rejecting the idea of it. So I don't think that's a yeah. bad thing. No, I haven't taken it as a bad thing. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Thanks, Lever. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, Matt and I sort of decided 2019 would be lean, mean and clean. So the two oh, of us okay. have, yeah, given alcohol the boot for this year. So we'll see how we go. Yeah. I feel like uh, there's like a common misconception around women who are married to men in sports industries that they just kind of have all this money and everything's done for them and life is easy and their men just take care of them and they don't have to worry about anything and they've probably got nannies and probably got cleaners and um, you know the guys probably just muck around on them behind their backs and all this sort of stuff and I feel like with yourself you really I don't know you show that that's just not true like whenever I talk to you whenever I see you and Maddie together or you're the way you are on social media the way you're so open about your life and who you are as a mother and as a woman and as a career woman as well you really demystify that and I was wondering if you'd be comfortable to share in your own words what that relationship is really like and what your experience has been being a woman marrying into that kind of world environment yeah yeah um Look, I don't have a nanny. It would be good to have one. I want a nanny and I don't have kids, so... (laughs) (laughs) I would have them take care of everything for me. Heather, it's time to get up. Okay. I know. I do watch that Keeping Up with the Kardashians and I think it would be nice, but, Mm. oh, gosh, I don't know. Look, when I first met Matt, it was interesting because from a WAG point of view, I always had my own career, so it wasn't like a he's the one with the career and I wasn't sort of thing. So I guess we've always sort of been equal in that respect, even though there's been times obviously when I had the babies and stuff that I didn't work. And, but like you said, I'm always doing something. I'm not someone that can sit back and, and just, you know, put my feet up and have the cleaner come round and, you know, my butler come in and peel some grapes for me. Unless he was sexy. (laughs) Well, his name was like, Ricardo. Ricardo. Ricardo the butler. <laughs> You're like, peel this grape. <laughs> Sorry, that got really dirty. Keep going. No, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, so I, and I guess we've just always had that understanding uh, as well. Like when we were going through the diagnosis with Maxi and stuff, because we are so isolated from family up here, like, well, we've got, he's got a few family members up here, but most of our family are not here. So we had to deal with a lot of that on our own and we had a lot of, in the early days of our relationship, a lot of tragedy with his dad passing away and having to deal with that very publicly in the public eye. And then obviously Maxie and his diagnosis and we really only had each other, to, to be brutally honest. So we could have gone either way. We could have gone the... I can't deal with you, I can't deal with this, you know, which is statistically what happens with a lot of relationships, especially with a special needs uh, child. And, but we didn't, I guess. We sort of chose to just dig our heels in and, and work together and we're very good at communicating with each other, which... You know, I think stereotypically model football doesn't... It's not something that you think that we're good at doing. We're not supposed to be the sharpest tools in the shed. (laughs) But, uh, look, we have worked a lot on our relationship and we've done a lot of, um, like, marriage counselling and stuff like that. We've invested a lot of time into that and into books and and, uh, audios that can help us be better uh, together. 
And I think a lot of people make that mistake of not investing that time and thinking that, oh, you know, you just get married and it's all rainbows and unicorns and, you know, you just ride <laughs> off into the sunset and everything works out. Best visual <laughs> I've ever had. Thank you. But it's, yeah, I hate to, you know. Burst the bubble. Burst the bubble, but that's mm. not the way it works. And, you know, we've we've had a lot of trying times throughout our relationship. We've been married 11 years this year and, uh you know, we've got. I've got stepchildren. He's had two kids to uh, from a previous marriage, so dealing with that dynamic has not been easy. Yeah. I mean, I pride myself on being a reasonably good stepmother, but I know that my stepdaughter had me in her phone as evil step monster oh. at one stage. So <laughs> yeah, it's just tough. But uh, look, we get along really well now. But in the early days, they were quite young when we got together. So. But, yeah, there's always that different dynamic of what their parenting is like in the other house and compared to here and what they're allowed to do here and what they're allowed to do there. And it's just tough. But I think there's so many blended families in Australia nowadays that you just, you've got to make it work. Yeah, it kind of, it's almost become the norm. Like, you know, when we were kids growing up, it was like normal to have the same parents that you'd had from like day one and you know there were no kids to any other parents and if you did it was weird and if you're you know a child from a single parent like me that was really weird and what was wrong with her that she couldn't keep a man and there was just so much judgment and I feel like now it's it's awesome like you hear so much about all these different families and it's like not even really a topic anymore like you know you you I've I've got a um a friend of mine in Sydney who's got two dads Yep. And he's got um, uh, his birth mother. She's actually a lesbian as well. Right. So she's in her own relationship, but he is considered his father's kid. Yeah. So she's there and he knows that she exists and she cares about him and that, but his relationship is between him and his two dads. And I just I find that fascinating. Like, just, that's how they've worked it out and that's how it is and that's just normal now. Like, and kids no one just really... want to be loved. At yeah. the end of the day, they just want to be loved, you know. 100%. I think when it, whenever there's issues we, within blended families, it has more to do with egos mm. of the parents than it does anything else. And unfortunately, that can affect the children. So, yeah, it's it's important to invest that time to work out what, what can work best for you in that situation. I found it impressive that yourself and Matt have, like, you know, used tools outside of just being with each other in order to create communication and... Um, help each other understand each other more and continue to grow together because every relationship I've been in apart from the one that just recently ended I've tried to do that with my partner and they've looked at me like I'm crazy or like Mm. I don't need that shit and it has ultimately led to our demise because there hasn't been enough communication or because they haven't been able to understand what I've been through in my life so therefore I can't see their perspective and ultimately it just turns into these huge fights yeah and it's really nice to know that you've done that with Matt because my Matt my ex Matt different Matt not your Matt different one yeah there's a lot of them actually (laughs) a lot of Matts you date one and you realize how many Matts there are in the world uh he and I had had that relationship where we could explore other ways of communicating with each other and it was such a breath of fresh air to have that and you know he comes from such a tumultuous background as well as a kid that it was just a really amazing way to help us open up more and be more available to each other. And even though we're not together now, we've got this incredible friendship. We're mm. so close. And if he wasn't in my life, I'd be absolutely devastated. Like, I just wouldn't be able to keep going. It'd be really sad. What will happen when you 
get a new partner though? Oh, Would that be a bit weird? I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't Cross I, that bridge when you come to Yeah, it. well, I'm kind of in that phase now where I'm like, I can't believe that there would be anyone out there better than him. So I'll be shocked if a guy rocks up on my doorstep that's like, hey, by the way, those things that didn't work out with Matt, I can resolve those. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, we bro- broke up and got back together. Did Matt you? And I. Yeah. Um, he says that it was me. I say that it was him that broke it, broke it off. Whatever. We broke up <laughs> and uh, we got back together. I think it was on my 29th birthday. I was miserable. I'd moved back home with my mum because I was selling my place in uh, Sydney and I was like, I'm 29, I'm living at home with my mother. I've got my, moved my cats in. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling so sorry for myself. I'm like, I'm about to have my 29th birthday. I've got no prospects of, you know, a man or whatever and... All I ever really wanted to be was a mum, to be honest. I've always, that's been a goal of mine. So I wanted to have kids so badly. And anyway, my mum said to me, why don't you give that Matt a call? I liked him. She liked him because when she asked him what he would have done if he didn't do football, he said he'd probably be in jail. (laughs) She thought that was awesome. She likes, she's very cheeky, my mum. And my grandma loved him as well. She would always, whenever he'd come round, go in for the group when he'd give her a hug. But it's very friendly. <laughs> but hence why we call her Old Dirty Biddy or ODB for short. Wow, that's 92, fantastic. 92 now. So really, yeah. she's still going for the grab. She still goes for the grab. Yeah, oh, ODB. When she remembers who he is. Oh, she impresses me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she grabs uh, the wrong guy's butt one day because that would be that would be pretty fantastic. Funny. That would be she fantastic. She is very funny. If that happens, you need to message me immediately because I, I will need to know about that. <laughs> That's will. That really good. Be, that would be good. That's very good. Yeah, so then I, I called him and he came to my birthday and then we got back together and the rest is history. Wow. A couple of babies later and moved into state and he changed codes and here we are. Wow. Yeah. What do you mean change codes? Well, he moved from, so when I met him, he was playing rugby union. So he's played rugby oh. union for Australia okay. and rugby league. He's, what, he's one of what they call uh, a dual international. There's only about, right. gosh, a dozen of them, I think, in Australia that have oh, played really? both codes. Okay. And he's one of them. So he was playing for the Waratahs and the Wallabies when I met him. And then he decided to go back to rugby league. And that's when we moved up here to the Gold Coast because he was one of the first players they chose to play for the Gold Coast Titans. He was in the inaugural side. Oh, that's very So cute. there you have it. In 2007, yeah, it was his first year, the first year of the Titans being together. So That's incredible. Yeah. I would not be able to do that because <laughs> if, I mean, apart from you the fact footy, that. You love don't you? Oh, I love watching, <laughs> but I have no idea what I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, go, everyone. Um, I'll cheer and realise that everyone else is disappointed and be like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. I, I that used was good. to be like that. Yeah. I've learned a lot since Have then. Have you? Though. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, but I wouldn't be able to do that, go from one code to another, because I'd just accidentally start playing yeah. the other rules and then everyone would Well, I'd like, only just learnt those rules and I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know what's going on now. Why can't we just do the other one? Yeah, just do the what's other one. What's the problem? Why are, you, why are you being difficult? Why is everyone else being difficult? Why can't we do it my way? Yeah, see, I would really struggle with that whole... Uh, framework of different rules but then again I'm I just suck at sport in general so <laughs> I'll, I'll buy cute shoes and call it a day um so 
Uh, for people who don't know about your, um, I mean, like, obviously this is going back, what, how old is Max now? He's turning 13 in June. 13. Yeah. He's like a young man now. I know. He's going through puberty. It's so frightening. But, and it's really hard to Fantastic. try and talk to him about it because he's autistic. Everything's literal. So I can't really say, well, this is, hey. a, yeah. <laughs> How's your body hair going? <laughs> How's that BO treating you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Got a stink yet? Oh, and there's a yeah. few things, obviously, that I would rather Matt talk to him about. So okay. It's, um, That's it's very great. awkward. So I'm yeah. thinking, you know, I wrote a book about my experiences with Max. I, I don't did know not if you know knew that. that. So no. it's called Living with Max. And it was, it sort of details a lot of our family story. It's not just about Max, but he is the, the subtext of it all. And just about diagnosis and how we navigated that and the things that we went through when he was little because he's so different now. He would have massive tantrums and, you know, he'd run, run into traffic and, gosh, done really embarrassing things like pee off the top of the bloody play gym at Rabina Town Centre or all hey, over Hey, you say embarrassing, I say impressive. <laughs> but, you know, we're different people. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, anyway. That's aim right there. I know. The worst was Matt's going, I'm not going to get him. And Jack, my stepson's going, I'm not going in there to get him either. So I had to do the walk uh, of shame. Yes, I'm the mother. Here it's I my am. child. My child peed on your daughter. I'm very sorry. <laughs> very sorry about that. Yes, I know her mouth was open. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> oh, dear. It was so embarrassing. But anyway, I'm thinking now I need to do a teenager version <laughs> of, of this, the experiences that we've had with Max. So I'm thinking in a couple of years' time I might look at Oh, please doing do. another book. <laughs> I mean, if it's anything like that story, that's fantastic. That is one of the stories in there, yeah. Yeah, there'd yep. be, there would There's never a be a dull moment raising <laughs> a young man with autism. On like the spectrum, I feel like. yep. Yeah, it would be quite an interesting interesting day, to Certainly say the least. Is, yeah. They actually say statistically a lot of um, uh, people in their 40s now would actually have a version of uh, some kind of autism or Asperger's and not even know because back when they were kids and it was being diagnosed when it should have been diagnosed. They weren't diagnosed. It just didn't exist. Mm. It wasn't a thing yet. So there's so many adults living with this condition mm. that are just struggling. They're just struggling to get by. Yeah. And because they didn't know anything early enough, they're, they're just... Everyone just thinks they're a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> or an asshole. Yeah. What are yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. tells me how it is every day. Like, yeah. Rex is so black and white and there's everything. Mm. Like, he's got no filter. You oh, know Jonathan great. Moran? Do you know the journo, yeah, John? Yeah, yeah, I love he him. He was up here recently. I love him too. But we're in JB Hi-Fi and I was with Maxie and, and Phoenix and he was there and he's like, oh, hey, hey, how are you going? And I introduced him to Max. Max thought he said his name was Vagina and then proceeded to say it out loud in front of a busy shop, this guy's name's Vagina or something. I'm like... Oh, my gosh. Oh. How do you get vagina from Jonathan Moran? It was just well, the most... I wanted to crawl up in a ball and die. Mm. I sent him a message. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But, <laughs> but anyway, so that's just an example of how you can, you know, have an autistic person in your life that just decides yeah. to not be filtered. And as an adult, I could imagine it would be even more difficult. Oh, it's really hard. <laughs> but what a fantastic way of um, being and acting, though, to be that honest and that raw about everything. Like, yeah. Could you imagine if we were that honest with each other? And just getting away so with saying it. There'd be so many less yeah. disagreements. Like, it'd just be great just yeah. to air your grievances. I don't like that top. 
Done. Yeah. Instead of being a bitch and going, oh, she looked fat in that, don't you reckon? Oh, you look wonderful. You yeah. look so good. You look so good. Gosh, oh, she looks oh, terrible. God. <laughs> don't sit with Kayla today. She looks really bad in the top. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Great, you're nailing it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Oh, I agree. Time for a quick break and for you to hear about the products that One Together gets behind. I tried something wild the other day and it has completely changed my life. Now, before I tell you, I will recommend that you stop eating that squishy thing that you've got in your hand right now or the chocolate. Now, after finishing up on radio, my body went into a little spin and I kind of stopped looking after myself. I found myself getting these really bad tummy pains and awful period pains as well, which is a whole lot of fun, am I right? Anyway, I was telling my trainer Wade about it and you've seen him on my social media, I'm sure. Uh, And one of my training buddies, Aidy, told me about her new business, which I was so proud of her for starting. Then she told me about what she does there. And I was like, oh, a wellness spa. That's so fancy. And then she went into detail about all the therapies, right? Including (sighs) colonics. Oh, yes, sir. An old fashioned who's up the bum. But, and pun not included there, she told me the benefits of doing this hydrating procedure. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Let's just do it because I can't get any worse. So I did it. And guess what? No period pain. That's gone. I haven't been able to get rid of period pain for like three or four years. I've never felt this good. My skin is a whole new level of healthy. And it was really full on when I went in too. I cried for all this pain that I was holding onto, all the crap, I guess you could say. (laughs) But look, I can't do it justice. So if you are struggling and you need to try something different because maybe you've been to doctors and you just don't know what else to do, just look, give them a call and see if it's for you. Their number is 02-9300-6033 or you can email them on wellness at wonderland.com. Tell them Heather sent you and maybe look into their other therapies and yoga sessions too. Namaste. Everything we endorse is fully backed and loved by the team at One Together. We do our research on each company or product to make sure it's either healthy-minded, will serve to the community or environment in some way. So let's get back to that discussion. Thanks for staying with us. So what was it like then, I guess, pre, like pre-diagnosis and diagnosis? Like, yeah, I feel like leading up to that moment would have been... Look, it was horrible. Like, I... is, he, is he your eldest? Yeah, he was my first? first child. Well, I had the stepkids. Of course, yeah. But I, I just mean the ones that your kids. Yeah, the ones that have come out of your human yeah. body. Yeah. So, and look, they were 10 and 8 when yeah. I met them. So I didn't know, you know, that there were milestones that he wasn't hitting. Mm. And for me, like, and I had my daughter 16 months after him. So they, it was right. almost like having twins. And she was progressing so much quicker than him. Uh, but look, there were a lot of milestones he didn't hit. And Matt was the one initially, he's like, yeah, I think there's something. Cause he's know. seen it before. Yeah. He's like, there's something not like he would act like he, the lights were on, but no one was home. He wouldn't always answer to his name. So we had his hearing checked and he'd do really random things. Like he'd go into the pantry and pull out all the cans and stack them with this glazed look on his face. You know, I'd come out in the middle of the night or in the early morning and he'd be there just stacking these cans like a zombie. And, and he'd also have these horrendous tantrums, like really violent, because he couldn't explain what was happening with him. He, was, he was, had trouble communicating. 
And so That's really his common, way of communication, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Okay. And plus a lot of it is sensory too. So he's very sensory, smell, sight, sound, you know, if there's a weird sound or there's, that's why shopping centers, if you have an autistic child, are like, you don't want to go Just there. Just don't do it. Yeah, it's horrendous. Because really. it's everything, music, oh, uh, of course, lights, the air conditioning, the smell, there's cold, yeah. there's hot, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. just too much for them to deal with. So I'd take him shopping and he would have complete meltdowns, try and gouge out my eyes and just be horrendously like just attacking me like wow. he wanted me to die, you know. And I'd be in the shopping centre just going, I'm never taking my sister's kid shopping again. Look at this. <laughs> this is horrendous. <laughs> How do you deal like with it's this? Because <laughs> oh, I was so embarrassed. And you yeah. see people dealing, or mothers dealing with kids having tantrums in shopping centres and all the people that give you the side eye and the, the stank look. You know, control your child sort of thing. Which is horrible and, and the judgmental stares is like the last thing you need when you're having to deal with a child that's having sensory overload and a meltdown. So yeah. that was probably the worst part and because I didn't know that he was autistic, I just assumed he was a difficult child. Like I just thought he was a brat basically and I blamed a lot of that on myself. I thought I'm just not doing this right. I'm just not doing, you know, I'm not a good yeah. enough mum. I can't cope with his tantrums I don't know what I'm doing wrong I don't know what he wants I don't know what's hurting him what's making him feel this way that he wants to react that way so it was really really hard and especially because that was the one thing that you've wanted to be yeah wanted oh, to be a mum so crushing. and I say it in my book like I just felt like I, I'm the wrong mother for the job here this is not you know, can we control out delete? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not coping and it was like... Mine's I, broken. Yeah, <laughs> this one's broken. But, you know, luckily my dad actually brought it to my attention one Christmas because he, uh, I have, Max has a cousin that's similar age and you could tell the difference in them developmentally. Like right. he's talking and engaging and Max is there looking at a dripping tap, like playing with a dripping tap. For hours. Full on. You know. So my dad said to me, because he actually worked on a case for a woman called Diana Dawes, which is quite a famous case. She actually smothered her autistic child. I killed remember him. that I story. I think he was a teenager too. I, I don't remember exactly the details, but she, I think my dad did had something to do with the case. I can't remember exactly what, but he'd done a lot of research on autism and he told me flat out one Christmas, we think Max has autism. You need to get him diagnosed. And, of course, I reacted the way that only only that of a mother that really wants to be a mother and doesn't want anything wrong with her child reacts. And that was, you're an asshole. leave me alone, there's nothing wrong with my child. And literally was so angry and could not believe that he would say such a thing. But <clears throat> from I calmed down eventually. And from that, I decided to research. Yeah. And the more I researched, the more I realised that, yep, the, you know, he falls into that category. Yes, he's doing that. Yes, he's doing that. And uh, the more I researched as well, everything I read said the sooner you get into early intervention, I think the statistics were something like 70% of kids go on to live some semblance of a normal life if they get that early really? intervention. From the age of two to six if you leave it past that age, too late. Really? Too late. Why is that? Is that because that's the age where you're mostly developing 
your ability to connect? Yeah, I think a lot of it is there are habits that are formed that stay with you uh, throughout your schooling uh, Mm -hmm. from those early ages. So from the studies that they've done, you can actually break those habits. So the the repetitive stuff that they do, you know, that's not socially acceptable, um, they basically give them tools to to uh, to not have to do that, I mm-hmm. suppose, and tools how to communicate. I mean, Maxie did ABA therapy, which is applied behavioural analysis, which is a lot of repetitive stuff because he was, you know, two and people on the street would come up to him and say, oh, what's your name? You know, and you forget how many, you know, that's quite normal to do to a child. Yeah. And he could never answer, you know. Oh, wow. So with therapy, we found a place here on the Gold Coast called Little Souls Taking Big Steps in Arundel. And within a week, he was answering that question. Are you, know? you serious? Yeah. Just from that repetitive, he was doing four hours a day, five days a week, which wow. when you look at the statistics that they've, they've come up with, what kids that kids need in order to um get that early like the early intervention hours that they need is something I think it's around 50 hours a week to be honest and look at the time the government didn't fund that even though they knew that there's a lot of hours that need to be put into these kids from an early age so that's why when we saw the benefits of what Maxie was doing and uh it cost a lot of money to send him there we just saw so many families that couldn't afford to to access that that therapy, and that's why we started the charity because we thought this is ridiculous. Like, we're lucky that we have the resources to put our child into this program, and he's getting results within a week, couple of weeks of being in this program. Mm-hmm. And there's people there that should have access to this program, but can't because they don't have the money. So. Yeah, we started for ASD Kids in 2009. It's our 10th year this year. And we've raised a couple of million dollars and helped kids go into early intervention programs. You've raised a couple of million dollars. Yeah, over that time. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's been really good. We've helped a lot of kids get into those programs just like Maxie had. And uh, we've also funded resources for lots of kids. We've redeveloped a, a school up here, a special ed unit of a school up at Burley Head State School and put, paid about, I think we've spent about 250 grand on redeveloping that and, um, yeah, done lots of different things like that over the last 10 years. So wow. but we've got some huge things happening over the course of this year because it is our 10 year anniversary and, People can get involved and stuff like that if they jump on our social media handles and see what's coming up. We're going to have Maxing Out Series 2 uh, being shot very shortly, so we'll be announcing the, the new that. athletes for that. And we've got a lot of activations happening over April, which is Autism Awareness Month and and stuff like that. So hopefully we've got some big goals to raise a lot more money this year. This is insane. I can't believe how much you've done. Yeah. That blows my you. mind. Like. Just saying it now and listening back, has it kind of blown your mind how much you've achieved? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny that something so negative, something so positive has come from. Mm. I mean, at the time. I mean, I look back at that time with Max now and he's like the the best thing that's ever happened to us. He know? is but such a smart time, kid. at the time, I'm thinking, well, is he ever going to get married? Is he ever going to go to school is he ever going to be able to talk Mm. things like that is he ever going to be able to say I love you mum like the day he said that to me was 
one of the best days of my life and I'll probably tear up a little bit thinking about it but I never thought he'd be able to do that and then him starting high school the other day and all that is testament to what we were able to provide for him uh, in that early intervention stage and gosh I just think everyone needs access to that I know now with the NDIS coming into play there's a lot of a lot more support around such therapies but there's still a need so yeah I was actually going to say with the NDIS like um you it's know it's complicated it's so complicated I'm about to be affected really badly by it with my mother because my mother has a mental illness right and I'm literally at the stage where they're looking at making her independent so she has a mental illness that's so debilitating she doesn't know I'm her kid anymore Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's got paranoid delusional schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and the reason why I wanted to bring up my circumstances because um, so many people are going to be affected by this NDIS in a really negative way. Some are going to get it in a really positive way. Mm. And my way of dealing with it, because mine was going to be negative, whereby they were just going to put her in independent housing and every now and again someone who's got absolutely no medical training is going to go check on her and make sure she's okay. And make sure she's taking her drugs. So there's no institutionalisation anymore for... No, they've closed them all down. That. Yeah, yeah. So I remember when that happened when I was a kid, deinstitutionalisation. Mm. Yeah. But so I thought there were still some sort of facilities that you can... There was only one left and it's closing its doors. And that's where she was. And oh. they're closing it down, which is absolutely crazy to me because there are so many people that live halfway between the circumstances whereby, you know, if... If my mum was able to live with me, I would take her in and I would do exactly what you're doing with Max. She would live with me and yeah. I would be there and I would be her carer and I'd be more than happy to do that job. But she's physically afraid of me. She thinks I tried to kill her. Right. So it's not like she and can just... And you'd have to lock her in the house or something. Oh, yeah. Couldn't... Oh, yeah, 100%. She'd be like caged in or something. Yeah, she? Or... and I just can't, I can't do that to her. She's... So where is she living now? Um, so the only reason I don't say where she is is just because uh, she's really afraid of people. Is she in a house, people. though? Yeah, she, yeah. She's yeah. got her own place now. Um, but they told me the other day that they were just going to release her back. Right. And um, they would just check on her every second day and then it would become once a week and then eventually she'd become completely independent and taken off mm. her court order. So I bring this up because um, a great piece of advice is if you're ever in a situation where the NDIS is maybe going to affect you in a negative way, whereby you're going to lose a lot of the... Sorry, I'll stop that from rubbing on my breast. I got boobs the other day. I was very happy about that. <laughs> I don't know why, but I went through a growth spurt at 33. Oh. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had surgery. No, no. Well, I mean, if I did, I didn't do it very well, did I? <laughs> so I haven't gotten much bigger. No, but I had a growth Been spurt. now. chicken? No. <laughs> It's all that hormone. Oh, it's so funny. No, i just been eating cake and put a bit of weight on. Um, cake is delicious, cake by is the way. Cake is good. Oh, I love cake. Um, so if something's yeah, affecting you negatively from an yeah, NDIS point this of This was one of the therapists that I was seeing for a while gave me amazing advice. He said, what you do is is you uh, email the organisation that is in that that is taking care of that person. You've got to make sure you do it before they're released. Because what happens is once that medical profession signs them off and releases them, then... Too late. Yeah. So there's a thing, there's that whole duty of care thing, right? right? Yeah. So if they take them on and they put them under a court order, that person's life is now in their hands. It's their duty of care That's to make right. sure that that person is well and okay. And if a family member sends an email specifically in writing stating, if you take this course of action that you think is going to be the best for them, I am telling you it won't. Mm -hmm. And if anything happens to them... 
I will hold you responsible. Yeah, and the organisation. Because it is your duty of care, and you use those words, it's your duty of care to make sure that they are well and that they are okay and that they are not a harm to themselves Mm. or someone else. And use those words as well. Because what happens is that then goes on record that you've stated that and then if anything should happen, they are then liable, they are then responsible. But it's really, really important that you do it before they're signed off and released because once they're signed off and released, they no longer have duty of care. So you've done that already for your mum? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done this a number of times now. Like She's gone missing for like... When I was on Does the she bachelor, take medication. Yeah, yeah, she goes off it though. But if she they... probably forgets to take it and stuff, does she? Or... Well, she doesn't think that she needs it. Right, of course. She doesn't. Probably think... thinks you're trying to kill her with it. Yeah, as well. Exactly. So yeah. when you're on the bachelor, did she go walk? She about? was actually missing while I was doing that show. That's why I had oh no family. Gosh. Yeah. So when I, when we started filming, she'd been missing for two and a half years, and I told that to the um, producers. And part of the reason why I said, look. I applied when I was drunk. Um, <laughs> you don't want me on here. <laughs> very drunk. Uh, yeah, don't get drunk and apply for The Bachelor. No. Um, or anything, really. <laughs> don't operate heavy machinery. <laughs> I think that's on the bottle. Um, anyway, uh, they really loved my application and thought it was quite hilarious. And I said, look, I, I can't go on the show because all the girls that you have on here have these perfect families and they take them to these amazing homes and they meet parents and do all that. And I don't have that for you Mm. and I don't want to fake it. So anyway, ended up doing it anyway. And the whole time I just kept, I just kept saying to them, I don't have anyone to introduce him to. Like, please don't make me do home visits. I don't have any family to introduce him to. You got to home visits though, didn't you? I did. And he, I ended up just. I'm trying to remember what happened there. I introduced him to a, a farmer on the Gold Coast called Warwick. A friend of yours. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he was an intense dude. He's great. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he sat him down and was like, look, unless you're really sure about things, you really, there's no point in moving forward kind of thing. And I think that really scared the shit out of him. So that was a bit of fun. And here you are. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And that, that wow. was, that was what was actually going That's on at the crazy. time of that show. Yeah. That whole time we were filming, I was just like, where is my mother? Where is she? So they release her a lot. Was she homeless? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's living on the streets. It was really awful. So I think that's part of the reason why I actually started this podcast in the first place is just to, I just wanted to remind people, like, you're not alone in what you're going through, mm-hmm. you know? Like, people look at your life and, you know, the amazing things that you got to do when you were younger and what you're doing now and what you plan on for your future and the same with Maddie and think that you guys have got it all worked out and it's all perfect and it's like... A lot of work goes into everything you do. Like even this morning, mm-hmm. you and I were trying to logistically make this work and you're like, I've got, okay, so I've got to do this thing with today and I've got to make sure that the kids are off to school and I've got to work this out for Maddie and I've got to make sure the house is clean. So come at this time, but I'll text you when I'm going to be home so that that way you don't, don't worry, I'm actually home. And it's like, you know, on my end, I'm trying to finish on air and I'm trying to finish up with Corey and I'm trying to get out yeah. the door from meetings and then my phone dies and I haven't quite seen the message <laughs> and I'm managing to get here and then I get here and I'm like, shit, i got to set up all the equipment. So it's like... You know, while it looks so shiny on the outside, there's still so much going on underneath. Totally. So, you know, while while your what you're going through may seem really trivial and stupid and not as intense, you know, I look at my situation and think it's really trivial and silly and not as intense as to what other people are going through. So it's, mm. you know, I'm I'm hoping that by us talking about this more, it's giving people more of a perspective to go, it's going to be okay. You don't have to have it together. No, you really don't. <laughs> Just do your best. Yeah. And, you know, looking, I think, at people's social media is and thinking that's real life is a big mistake. Oh, it's crazy. It's a highlight reel. 
It's a highlight reel. We're not, we're not <laughs> going to put the re- reality of what's happening in our life on there. Well, a lot of the time we're not. So, yeah. I mean, I did with my meltdown. That was reality. That <laughs> is horrendous. Oh. But it was, uh, you know, I felt like I needed to put that up there just to show people how scared I was before I did that yeah. long course triathlon. So, yeah. I really and, appreciate you doing it. I think it, it's important to mm. every now and then let your guard down. And oh, look, I'm always up for being vulnerable. I think it, it it is important. And look, if you if you ever read my book, you'll see that as well. I'm very honest. It is very vulnerable. And uh, I think it's important to do that because I think even though you think you're a mess with age, you become a mess age. There you go. There's some profound wisdom for you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> a mess age a for mess someone age. else. <laughs> a message for someone else. Your mess becomes. So. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I heard it somewhere. Yeah, Stole it. Steal it. It's Stole mine now. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear it from anyone. I made it up. Uh, just say it. Who cares? Claim it. So there you have it. If you aren't sure what your mantra should be, just bloody steal someone else's. So I like that. I'm about that. Uh, Look, I mean, let's be honest. There's so many wonderful things that you can take away from Chloe's story and how she works as a person. But the biggest one for me, I think, is the fact that if you don't know what you want, but you know it's something bigger, then just start because maybe it will slowly come to you like it did for her. So just start. Start now. Take action right now. 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 Now now. You're doing it now, aren't you? Yeah, I could feel that. Now, for details on all of her work, we will be sharing all of that, but make sure you get involved with 4ASD Kids. It's awesome, all the work that they're doing in the community. That's the number four ASD Kids. Challenge Roth, if you feel so inclined. I mean, it's it's called challenge for a reason. Chloe's Instagram is Chloe Maxwell 31 and the Maxing Out Challenge will continue working with more people to raise awareness for ASD kids, which is amazing. And hopefully we will get that second book that she was talking about because, mate, even I would give that a read. I think it'd be very fascinating. Make sure you stay in touch with us as well on the OneTogetherPodcast.com website. Otherwise, you can get us via email at OneTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. We're always wanting your feedback and we will share your comments and questions should you wish. Otherwise, if there was someone you want to get on or have your own story, that is the best way to get a hold of us. But you can also get a hold of me directly on my social media, which is Heather underscore Maltman. That's on Instagram or Heather Maltman Official is the one on Facebook. Because clearly I'm very official. Like, I should definitely be running for Prime Minister because I would nail it. Actually, I probably would do a lot better than the people that are there at the moment, but no judgment. Do what you can. The YouTube channel is um, just my name again. It is Heather Maltman, which you clearly have not heard enough of. And you can also make sure to like and subscribe to one of our nine platforms so that you can continue listening to our podcast each week. So just remember, One Together Podcast is the podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number because one plus one is two, my friend. And then it multiplies from there. I know. I know. I'm a modern day Yoda. It's, It's a gift. I'll just, I'll catch you next week. See ya.